Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of The Counselling Corner. I'm your host, Amanda, and yeah, I guess we'll just get straight into I just wanted to do a bit of a recap in case anyone forgot or, or didn't, um, just a bit of a taste of the last episode, um, if anyone didn't catch it, and this might spark your interest in, in having a look at that that podcast that's on the Radio Karen website or the app. Um, so last time we looked at sort of a really brief introductory information about the history of counselling, the sort of ups and downs it's had, the beginnings with with Freud and his all, you know, wild, crazy ideas and, you know, after that sort of medical approach, um, looking at um, all of those sorts of concepts he created and then a bit with a socio-political perspective, the existential person-centred with Carl Rogers, a bit of the gestalt stuff and um, then leading into the sort of behaviour therapy, then cognitive therapy and then kind of merging the two with CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, um, which emerged as a very strong um, research type of therapy um, then looking at the feminist therapy and which brought us to sort of the 1980s with postmodern dbt narrative solution focused acceptance commitment therapy things like motivational th- interviewing and then ended with um sort of what what it is today mainly kind of the training is person-centered and things like that um so and then we looked at some sort of the, the first few myths that I had sort of listed down, um, looking at, you know, counselling for people with serious mental health issues and we kind of looked at debunking a bit of that. So please go back there and, and um, to that podcast to, to get a bit of information about that as well as looking at um, the, the, the thought that I can get counselling from, talk to my friends, family, work colleagues, things like that. And we looked at sort of a bit of the ethical issues around that and um, the idea that it will only be my childhood. So um, if you guys missed that, please please go back after this, uh, this live show and um, uh, go back and ha- have a look at that if, um, if you're interested. Um, so we're going to continue with doing a bit more of the myths Uh, and misconceptions about counselling. I have had added one more uh, in kind of thinking about it. Um, But definitely if if you guys have any questions or or any other myths or misconceptions or thoughts about counselling that you want me to kind of talk about or or you, we can definitely discuss it, please feel free to call or text in. The number is 0493 213 831. 0493 213 831. Cool. So I guess just continuing on with a bit of the myths 
that we were kind of talking about. The next one I had listed is the thought that I will need to lay on a couch and the clinician will tell me what's wrong with me, which I'm not sure if you recall me talking about um, Freud's approach, but his, his approach was getting you to lie on a couch and him kind of sitting behind the couch um, and you kind of just kind of unload about what what your thoughts are, what your dreams are, what's, you know, what's happening there and he would just scribble behind you. That was definitely a, an old approach. Um, these days it's mainly just um, the, every, every clinician will have a different setup but the main setup is, you know, maybe they'll have some couches kind of not directly facing each other, but it could be kind of like on an angle. So it's not too, um, confrontational or intimidating or uncomfortable. Uh, some people like to kind of just, um, and as people are talking about their experiences, um, they tend to kind of look off to the side to, you know, to go into some of those memories and, you know, what I've kind of noticed, um, so that's kind of the the idea around kind of having um, chairs or or couches or sofa chairs that is not really directly facing each other, so that there's that sort of open space to to uh, I guess go into some of those experiences and allow you to explore that for yourself. Um, so it, it it can it is comfortable where they you know people have couches and and things like that, but it's not going to be um, sort of you lying on a couch and and them kind of telling you. Yeah. So the second part also the clinician telling you what's wrong with you. So counselors they can talk about. Um, diagnosis and and um, kind of the abnormal side of, of psychology and look at your experience with that um, but I guess we're not really there to specifically diagnose you we can look at the process of what of how to do that and and I guess at least here in Australia there is sort of a process of doing that you know through your GP and then um, testing through a psychologist and all those sorts of things to, to get sort of a, a solid, um, at least as solid as it can be diagnosis. I mean, things are changing all the time and, um, you know, things like that. So the clinician, um, will explore with you, I I guess what, what your thoughts are around what you're experiencing in your view. I mean, again, it's person centered. So, um, you know, that there's that, we have that sort of, uh, perspective that you are, the expert in your own life it's not us it's not for us to to judge or or to make those sorts of um comments or diagnosis you know unless that's sort of what you wanted to talk about and and we kind of would go through the process and what that might look like and and how you how you feel about doing that um I usually tell clients um myself that uh getting a diagnosis can go one of two ways one way is that the whole kind of putting a, a label on it or a term can have some stigmatizing ramifications on it and sometimes they they while we've come a long way with with stigma in terms of mental health sometimes it can have that kind of effect i don't think we're completely out of the woods but i do want to acknowledge that we have come a long way in terms of that so it could go to where people might change their perspective of you or um you know based on on their misconceptions or their 
you know, idea of what that kind of diagnosis is and, um, you know, people might, might be impacted by that. Or the other way it could go is if if you get that diagnosis or what it will mean, sometimes when I talk to clients, sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes I just want to know what, what it is and that the fact that there is sort of a term and lots and lots of research around it and lots of um, treatment ideas, treatment approaches, that there are solid um, understanding around these sorts of labels and terms that they, they actually feel like it's a bit of a relief that they kind of understand what is going on with them and it's not just them and they're not just sort of, um, I don't like to use the word crazy, but, you know, they're not kind of not normal, I guess. Um, and there is sort of strategies and research around how to kind of help them. So it could go one of each ways. Most of the time it's, you know, just they just want to know, um, you know, and, and to kind of have that relief of the treatment options and the ideas and research and all those sorts of things behind it. Um, so that's that's with that please let me know if you wanted to counter or have, you know, have any thoughts around that. Um, you know, the, the phones are always open there. Um, I'll read the, the, the number out shortly again. Um, the next myth I wanted to talk about is um, the idea that it's expensive and takes forever. So I'm not sure if people have noticed, but I feel like there has been um, – a shift in the idea of therapy where it's kind of like if you're rich that's just what you do that's you go to therapy and you know you have the 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 funds for it um counseling psychology it's not i am aware it's not the cheapest thing you could do um and and uh, you know there is that kind of kind of vibe that I get that it's kind of like oh like you know you see sort of the the Kardashians or other other kind of wealthy kind of low-level celebrities kind of getting counseling and um it's kind of more in the media and you know more of them those people talk about it um but in, in I'm not sure other places but here in Australia there are lots of services that you can use that are free that is very cost effective um, and well, that's that's talking about the sort of expense side. Um, it, you know, there, there's things. You know, if, if you're in Queensland, there's Queensland Health. Um, there's um, you know, it, it, maybe if that's sort of what you were looking to do, I would definitely get in touch with you know if your your employer or your school um, to see if they've got any kind of. Uh, referrals or references to services like counseling um, a lot I think all companies should have that kind of um, employees assistance program where I, I know it's I know it's a brief counseling but I guess it's sort of a good start and they have further resources for you to continue on with that journey um, especially you know when when funds are um at uh, you know at, at a pressure point um and there's you know definitely in life there's other things to to pay for and, and things like that so um there are quite a lot of services that that can help um i know that with medicare you can get six sessions a year um from your gp they can they just make sort of a mental health plan and um try and refer you um keep in mind that that's 
they usually refer you to psychologists and at the moment psychologists it, it's they have huge waiting lists um which should which shouldn't um, kind of deter you I, I hope that doesn't deter you because um, the sooner that you start that process of you know talking about things and um, kind of I guess processing everything um, that the better um, or the more able you'll be able to manage kind of future stuff um, so the, the other point of that is that it takes forever um, some approaches like Freud's approach he suggested like 10 years twice a week um you know a very intense processing of everything um that's that's a it's an approach it's an idea um it, it might have helped some people but um definitely you know things like employees assistance program that I was just talking about they're quite brief and and it de- and again it depends on your company some some companies have contracted six sessions or three sessions or 12 sessions I've had so I would definitely go and check you know how many sessions that you're authorized for but that that shouldn't be sort of the end and it doesn't have to be sort of a regular thing for you it could just be you know you just do three sessions in um like a month or two months and then um you know see how you go if you need more you can always you know kind of go back in and um it's always good to kind of check back in once in a while um and kind of you can stretch it out as much as you need to because you know counseling is one hour um, out of your week or out of your two weeks or month so it's always good to kind of you know just keep that on track and, and things like that um, just before we kind of continue with the next misconception I'll just hear uh, from our sponsors today Oi, 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 oi IGA is shopping nights. IGA where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. Thanks, IGA boys. All right, so um so the next misconception I wanted to talk about was the the idea that it it, it won't work after I've had a bad experience with counselling. Uh, in my experience, and, and again, I, I'm not sort of an expert and I don't know how everyone works, um, but over the t- past two years that I've been counselling, uh, I've definitely heard some clients kind of talk about their experience. I mean, we usually it, – it's usually helpful for us to know if you have had past counselling because it can kind of suggest where they're at with that, how that experience was. You know, they, they could be coming in with, with a bad experience and they could be having their, their guard up. So it's good for us to know where um, we need to start or what kind of approach we need to take. So we that's why we usually sort of um, ask about past experiences. But – if there has been a past experience and, and it's, you know, almost some sometimes it's common that, that people um, kind of have experiences where they didn't really click with the person or um, I, I guess counsellors have said some things that um, have really missed the mark and, and completely kind of disengaged the counsellor. Uh, I'm not going to kind of, you know, pinpoint, I don't know who these people are, but, um, but, I am also 
you know, very um, wanting to empower other people and things like that. So I'm not really going to go into it. Um, there has been some some um, shocking things that, that I've heard. But if, if you've had a bad experience, I always tell clients that it's probably the best thing to shop around. Um, I, I mean – if that's sort of if you want to sort of continue your journey again it's person-centered you know you should have the autonomy to to decide that but at the same time if you've had a bad experience it shouldn't kind of um you know maybe kind of prevent yourself from generalizing um that bad experience to all counselors because again everyone works very differently everyone is very different in in their approach and and what they say and what they do and and there's always there's so many counselors out there so many people who are very passionate and willing to help and work with you um that uh, you know can kind of not necessarily fix the bad experience but i guess put you on on the right track and in kind of managing things and and helping you kind of move forward with your life um so I guess um, if anyone um, did have a bad experience or, um, you know, maybe just sort of um, had that kind of awkward encounter or you didn't really click um, or, you, you know, you have questions about that or, you know, you wanted to kind of counter that, um, please feel free to call or text in. Um, again, the number is 0493 213831. Once more, 0493 213831. Um, great. So um, the next myth, misconception that I've kind of put here is that um, I, I think this is kind of a big one and quite contextual um, is, is the idea that it's not it's not in my culture, um, you know, I've heard people say, you know, if my culture or people in my religion or, or background kind of knew I was counselling, um, it would sort of mean, um, you know, not a very positive thing for them and there would be that kind of stigma and uh, I guess um, I'm not sure a lot about everyone but the things that I've heard, especially from people who come here from overseas, like immigrants and and um, things like that, they're, they're seen to kind of be ungrateful or unappreciative if they kind of start to have these issues, um, you know, uh, especially with that last misconception, I've heard people say like, you know, you should be grateful after kind of going through trauma, um, you know, something like that you know, it kind of like invalidates them and and um, that can be very um, kind of difficult to, to manage. Um, I think culture is, is something that everyone should be aware of, especially um, I'm not sure about other counsellors, but for me I try and be very open and non-assuming, non-judgmental, and try and validate their experience. Everyone experiences it differently. Um, but also there is a cultural component in training for counselling. Um, so hopefully, and I do know that lots of counsellors, they do, um, are very 
kind of sensitive, it's a good, good word to use, sensitive in um, counselling people who come to counselling and, and uh, most counselling services are very confidential um, and unless um, you're under 16, I think, um, then there, there is that sort of like less confidentiality or you're at risk of something. So um, so there's the, those are the limits there. Um, but I guess it can be difficult to kind of manage especially when sort of cultural religion suggests that counseling is is so um you know with all the those misconceptions that we look at that you know you're weak or or that you know you, you should be grateful or you know more of those sort of um or even in the cl- more collectivist kind of um countries in in the east they sort of um you know the, there's sort of no space or time to kind of um kind of put the spotlight on ourselves and think about how we're feeling um I guess you know not that there's anything wrong with kind of you know looking out for other people but there are good approaches for um those types of kind of cultures and um you know as I kind of looked at the different the history of the counselling approaches and theories. Um, there are many, many theories and approaches that have since been created or theorised that can, um, I guess, enhance that sensitivity and work with you in, in those kinds of ways and adjust kind of the approaches to um, either, f- you know, how to manage you know, th- those types of cultures or, um, you know, kind of, enhance the confidentiality as much as they can um but that's definitely a very big topic um if anyone has any ideas or or questions or issues please feel free to call or text um otherwise i might just um continue so the next uh myth i put was that um my problems are too much to talk about uh i will make the therapist depressed um so that's that's an interesting one because um you know I recently had this question in a, in a therapy group um you know kind of asking you know how <coughs> how we as counselors deal with all of that material and especially especially if the material is quite complex or or traumatic or you know things like that um and there there you know lots of I think there's lots of clients who um, are hesitant to speak to someone because not only are they overwhelmed by their experiences or issues, they feel like they don't want to overwhelm anyone else um, and they want to kind of – they don't want to spread that because I guess there's a, there's the idea that if they spread it, then it will just be more overwhelming and, and it will just become uncontrollable. But I do want to say that counsellors, psychologists, we're all trained – to take on any material um, and we are trained to, I guess, um, take the material and set it up where it's a lot more comprehensive and there's no judgment or there's no sort of assumptions, um, just sort of understanding what it is for what it is. Um, But again um you know we are human as well and I I guess I'll go into that a little bit in our next topic um today but um we all everyone 
all counselors, psychologists, we all have supervisors. So a supervisor is someone that we can go to to debrief and talk to them about what you know about cases but in a in a confidential way and they're also bound by confidentiality as well but you know we don't use any kind of identifying features for, of clients but you know it, it's sort of the, the space and the time to I guess really debrief and, and process and kind of see and you know share ways of um you know, managing that or managing next few sessions or, you know, and definitely there is a good emphasis on self-care, you know, taking care of ourselves and, and um, you know, doing something that we find pleasurable or or at least sort of relaxing a little bit um, to take care of sort of the impact that, that some of this material has. Again, sort of we, we're human, but, you know, we, we do have a lot of training in taking care of that for ourselves. So hopefully you guys as or anyone sort of listening as clients um there shouldn't be that kind of concern about how counselors kind of or psychologists take on your material it should be kind of like you know you go into the room and you 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 try and um give all of this kind of material to the counselor and and the counselor has sort of a cushion to to kind of um carry it all for you and and help both of you in that kind of relationship to understand what's what's going on and, and sort of good ways to go about it. Um, so that's sort of the, the, the second last myth that I want to talk about. Lastly, um, I added this in um, the other day and I think this might be sort of a good segue to our next topic and it's the idea that it's just like paying for someone to be your friend um, and, and I'll talk about the relationship between a counsellor and a, and a client um, in our next topic. But I guess um, it, it is very different from a friend because when we're not going to um, invite you for coffee or, you know, invite you to a wedding or, um, you know, as clients, you know, that sort of passes the boundaries of, of um, that sort of relationship there. Um so, and it's, and I'll talk about this soon, but it's very kind of one way, whereas in a, in a counselling relationship, in, in, a, in a friendship kind of relationship or family, it's, it's both ways. It's a give and take or it needs, it's, for it to be a healthy relationship, it needs to be give and take um, sort of regularly and more equally sort of thing. Um. So those were sort of the, the rest of the myths that I wanted to talk about. Um, definitely feel free to um, call or text in with any other myths or thoughts that you have about counselling that maybe is kind of preventing you from from seeking out the help um, and we can kind of talk about it. Um, you can sort of use the number um, again, sort of 0493 Um, and we can kind of discuss that um, if you feel like you do Um, and it can be anonymous you don't have to put your name um, and I don't have to sort of say your name um, either Um, so I guess um, just before we go into sort of the next topic um, we'll just hear from our sponsors Hi, I'm Freddie from Freddie's Kitchen. Let's get behind Radio Karam. Go Karam. 
Thanks, Freddies. We'll see you later. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so let's just go into our next topic. And I think this just sort of as a segue from our last sort of misconception, um, it, it's the idea of the support person. And, uh, you know, I talked about, um, you know, the relationship in, in counselling, what that kind of can look like. Um, and I'll go into it a bit more soon. Um, a support person um, is really, it's, I, I guess it's uh, someone that you can kind of, talk to um I guess not necessarily about you know well definitely if that helps and do that um but it's someone that you can confide in that you kind of share that support with um there, there is this theory that I'm not sure who who um was behind this theory but there's a theory that everyone needs someone to um constantly over obsess about what us what we're doing our health our mental health our hygiene and and you know someone to kind of you know be more obsessed than the the regular kind of person um about us and you know to kind of make sure that we're on track and and to kind of you know worry overly worry I guess um in our experience with them um for us to grow and be motivated and and you know to have those I guess core conditions as Carl Rogers said you know we all need the core conditions to to grow into a big tree uh, starting from from the seed you know we need the water and the sun and you know those are sort of the core conditions um as as sort of suggested by him but support person um doesn't necessarily have to be that person that overly obsess over you but someone that you can talk to um that won't judge or won't assume but will just listen um without uh, unless you need solutions but without fixing or um kind of trying to solve the problem with you know before really listening to you um and that is a give and take so um, I do want to refer back to the ethics around um, counselling our friends and family. Um, it's it's always a grey area. I feel from from the readings I've done from the PACFA Code of Ethics, it can be a grey area. Um, but our friends, well, not with our friends and family, but in terms of dual relationships and things like that. But um, there's not sort of a solid thing that's no, you can't. But it, that's that's written there. But um, in saying that, there is a distinction between those relationships, um, you know, the the friendships or family members and um, the the counselling client relationship, which I'll I'll go into. Um, um, just after the next point. Um, so I think from what I know and what people say, not, maybe not from the pack for code of ethics, but, um, counseling our friends and family puts us at a really difficult position because as a counselor, we, are trained and need to be very objective in 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 the client situation and we need to see it for a bigger picture but when you count when you're talking to friends and family you kind of have that investment in their experiences your friends you know your family you have that you, you and having that investment means that you can't 
you can't be objective like it's it's very easy to slip into the subjective you and and your emotions are very easy to come up and and control how you behave and and you know training kind of goes out the window as much as you um you know even for me training you know I try to practice on on people that I know and that I love and and while I tried to kind of you know keep that switched on um it was very difficult kind of listening to the stories that I've had to listen to from friends and family you know I'm sure lots of other counsellors can relate that once you're a counsellor people just want to talk to you and and tell you all their problems but um, I guess there's a point where um, counsellors you know if any one of you are listening that you need to kind of switch that off and not be constantly object objectively looking at things because we are invested in friends and family and we do have feelings that can be impacted from what people are saying to us and um, we need to be able to kind of know where that line needs to be drawn for us at least Um, but also you know if you've got friends or family that are counsellors and you know that again that they're human too and and as much as um, people who are not counsellors can kind of go home and switch off and or as, as as much as you need to or, or I always tell clients to to switch off you know at the end of the day or at the end of the week um, as much as they can um, you know it's it's kind of like taking your work home I guess when you're talking to friends and family and their counsellors and you try and get them to counsel you um, through something so I do urge counsellors to try and know where that limit is and, and increase your awareness of where that is but also um, non-counsellors sort of you know be aware that they're, it's their work and and they need to kind of be able to switch that off and not kind of constantly need that kind of um, support all the time. But I think that just went off on a tangent a little bit. Sorry about that. But going back to um, well, a little bit from, from what I was saying, you know, there is a line of how much one person can listen to and take on from someone else, especially if um, this is talking about just a support person. So if you're talking to your friends or your family or a spouse or, you know, someone like that, um, there's, there's a, there is a line of how much people can, can take on. Um and I think that sometimes, you know, I've had clients that they haven't realized that they've just taken on so much that it started to impact them and they dread going home because, you know, they'll just get more and, and they don't know how to uh, manage that or even just say, you know, stop talking to me because I'm impacted. Um, but I think it's important for, for those people or if anyone listening to um, kind of recognize that um as well um so which which you know which is why counselors are again sort of extensively trained in things like self self care and we attend supervision as i mentioned that we can unload and debrief um because you know as as i said sort of we, we're humans too we need to kind of be able to manage them but again it's our it's our work and and as that kind of last um, the myth that I was saying, you know, can, can counsellors take on all of my problems? Um, yes, because we are trained to be objective and, and be able to cushion that and then bring that to supervision for, for other people to cushion that for us as well. And we train in kind of self-care and, and things like that, which everyone should, should train in. We should all kind of be able to, you know, try and take care of ourselves. Um, um, but in terms of support person, as much as we take care of ourselves, we, you know, it's good to kind of have that connection with someone and, and 
because the less connection we have, um, the more the more isolated we are, the more likely we will be worse or go further into things like depression or it's sort of a risk factor in things like suicide and, and mental health issues. So the more we can connect with people and have that kind of support person or people to talk to, um, the less likely we, can, we will kind of go, in, go into all of that all of those sorts of issues. Um, I do have some steps to consider if if you are that kind of support person, some ways to, to kind of be effective in supporting someone. But before I get into that, I, um, I just want to make a distinction between the relationship between a family and friends members and the relationship between a counsellor and a client. So the first one between a family and friends um, it's a more, as I said, sort of more equal give and take, um, you know, you share the support um, and it's a lot more informal where these people can make judgments or, you know, that or they, you know, it's, it's normal for them to make some judgments or give advice or some direction. Um, you know, for example, um, let, let's say I'm, I'm talking to a friend and a friend is telling me that this guy is ghosting her or um, really um, kind of treating her really badly. As a friend, I would just tell her, get rid of him. He's not good for you. That's my judgment. That's, you know, I'm giving her direction. I'm giving her advice as a friend. You know, I'm I'm saying I'm, I hate seeing you like this as a friend. Um, but looking at kind of the, the – um, the relationship between a client and a counsellor, um, it is very highly person-centred, very centred around the singular person. Uh, there's no give and take. As I said, but the first one, you know, you can share support. Like in that example that I just said, you know, they can tell me, you know, oh, I've got this guy problem, but I, I can also be like, you know, oh, like, that sucks, you know, get rid of him. I hate seeing you like this. And, um, but I can also say, you know, I've also got, you know, this issue. What, what, what do we do? Like, we should work together and, and figure out what to do. You know, and we, we share that support. And she can also tell me that, you know, to get rid of him, leave him, whatever, but, um, you know, give me that direction, give me that judgment. Um, which, you know, as, as friends, we kind of, you know, take, take on for ourselves and we give each other that, that support that, you know, that, that sort of egging on the encouragement there. Um, but in, in the other relationship, in a counselor client relationship, it's a lot more kind of one person. There's only one person in the room or there's two people, but really the focus is, is on one and there's no give on take. The conversation centers solely around the client. The counselor can, share their experiences but they have to be very careful and try and make it relevant to the client or at least a little bit helpful where um to hold the space or to normalize it um or to validate you know I've you know gone through this as well it was not great um but also um I guess sharing where you can kind of be like okay well this happened to me and this helped me what do you think about doing kind of something like that um you know getting the client to think about sort of some other strategies um you know something that that helped the client or or you know help the counselor sorry um but also when you're doing that counselors need to be aware and try and make it um you know try and 
preface this with that it, it can be different for everyone. So saying something like I, you know, we can take that the same the same kind of uh, thing that we were talking about. You know, if someone comes to me, you know, I've got this um, guy who treats me really bad. You know, he's hurt me before. Um, the, the friend, as I said, in me, like, you know, you need to leave him. You know, he's terrible, whatever. The counsellor would try and validate and centre it around her or him or her um, and um, be like, um, you know, um, this, you know, unfortunately sort of I've gone through this before and and but I've, I've come out the other side through this a b and c strategy um you know bear in mind that, it, that these situations are different for everyone and everyone has different kind of points in their lives or different circumstances um so that they will ask you know how does a b and c sit with you how do you feel about a b and c so it's very much um, they can. There's no kind of rule about not sharing um, people's experience. I mean, um, if you go back, definitely different approaches have different approach, a bit different ideas about this. But you know, if you look at Freud, he was very much you know, no, it needs to be a blank slate. I'm not in the room. I'm sitting behind you. I'm writing things down. I'm interpreting what you're saying, um, but I am not in the room. It's you know he. Although there's a picture of, of his or what his kind of therapy room would look like with the couch, it would be very kind of Middle Eastern carpeting and cushions and things like that. He kind of had the idea of a very kind of white, um, you know, couch in the middle, chair at the back um, and, and very kind of blank slate for the for the client to kind of, I guess, you know, if you paint a picture on the blank slate, I guess that's sort of what he, was his idea. Um so that's sort of the the, the distinction there. Uh, I think it's important to to n- acknowledge that distinction because, um, again, we as counsellors we uh, we really um, shouldn't and can't be counselling our friends or family because there is that investment. And if we do have an investment, we will be impacted and we will struggle to stay objective, which. Um, can really impact us as as people and and we can really struggle with um you know other clients and and um you know it'll sort of seep into other things as well so just um i'll just go through some just some steps to to consider Um, but before that we will hear from um an ad from the show uh mark it's witch from spider bait here uh are you talking to me are you talking to me uh, are you are you talking to me? No. What I said is, are you talking to me? <laughs> well, I'm the only one here. So, who the hell are you talking to? Are you talking to me? <laughs> Listen in every Thursday night at six pm. Thanks, Mark. We'll do. Um. Yeah. So, just some steps to consider if you feel like you're a person that a friend or a family or a spouse, they go to you and, and they feel like they can talk to you, which is great, and I would embrace that. But just some steps to consider in that process. Um, so, firstly, so firstly, have a think about um, or find where your limit on, in how much you can take on or how much things you can listen to without 
being impacted by. Um, find where that limit is. Don't try and push it, but just acknowledge, okay, this is sort of where I need to um, stop and pause. Um, and then when if you're talking to the person who is kind of the you're the support support person for um and you're listening to them and you notice okay it's coming to the line it's, you know I'm getting to the line where I feel like I am feeling overwhelmed or it's sort of reaching my limit um it's important to try and pause them and you know just sort of without um you know not really abruptly but you know nicely being hang on hang on hang on um you know and then sort of the second step is you know make a non-judgmental observation something like I noticed that you're struggling with x y and z definitely while this person is talking try and you know listen and, and take in um what they're saying so that you can make that kind of observation but definitely if it's becoming too much definitely pause them and make that sort of non-judgmental observation just like okay why well, notice this is um a struggle for you or you're you're stressed about this or you know you're really kind of not managing this and then kind of express your concern for them you know saying something like you know I'm really concerned for you you know I'm worried that you know you're not kind of coping with this or I'm worried that you're in that kind of negative space um and then encourage them as a fourth step encourage them to um, you know, speak to, to external professional supports, the same time, you know, uh, well, firstly, from those, those second, third and fourth step, you know, it can sound like, you know, I noticed, hang on, you know, you've reached your limit, you know, you, you've, you feel like that you can't sort of take on anymore. You can say something like, you know, I noticed that you're struggling with X, Y, and Z. I'm really worried that you're not coping with it, or I'm really worried about, you kind of being in that kind of space um you know have have you thought about you know talking to someone external or professional what about talking to you know someone like that that can kind of help you process all of this or help you manage all of this um you know kind of suggesting that to them and and keep encouraging them until you know because sometimes people are like oh no I'm all right I just you know need to vent but but definitely um keep just keep encouraging um that kind of you know seeking more support if they're constantly coming to you with the same issues or more issues then um you know explain to them you know it's really um might be beneficial for you to um I, I guess seek some external support you know maybe direct them to to the the podcast of the show so they can hear you know what it can be like for them or if they do have any questions or issues or you know things they can sort of do some research or um you know messaging um you know on the live shows here um you know anonymously as well um but you know it, you know the more you kind of do that they might be like okay fine so that great they're, they're seeing um seeing a support person that they're seeing a professional person to help them manage this um unfortunately um that that sort of um goal of giving the support it doesn't end there because while we're um getting counseling while we're seeking external support it's also good to kind of have someone still there to um walk through walk with us through that process so even when they're going to counseling or psychology psychologists you know things like that it's also good to kind of encourage them um to reflect between sessions on on the therapy so saying like you know oh how was it like you know is it helpful you know um you know 
what's sort of the most helpful thing why why is it helpful why is it not helpful like get them to kind of reflect on that um and then keep encouraging them you know if, it, if it's not helpful then as i say kind of keep shopping around you know saying things like you know maybe we can find some someone else or um if you are getting the six sessions from from your gp seeing if they can kind of refer you to someone else um you know to keep kind of encouraging that process as well um so and then kind of while all of that is happening for yourself just keep considering the type of relationship that that can occur in counseling as i mentioned before as opposed to your relationship with this person um as mentioned kind of above you know trying to separate um you know you're not there to take on or help them process everything um you're there to just kind of be with them in in the in that process um you know as as much as you can encouraging them and and you know noticing and um you know having some time to talk through things but again trying to have that sort of give and take sort of thing in 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 that kind of relationship um so I think, um, you know, just keep in mind those steps. If, if anyone has any um, questions or issues or things like that, please feel free to call or text in. Um, but before we sort of wrap things up, there's just two documents I just wanted to kind of go through and I can post this on the website, um, not on the website, the um, and my Facebook page, The Counseling Corner. So if you guys want to have a look at that. But the first one is a article from the Black Dog Institute and it's titled Helping Someone Else. Um, so in terms of they have, you know, how you can help strategies um, for like adults, kids, um, you know, during the treatment process and looking after yourself. But in terms of adults, you know, they suggest things like let them know that you care and support them and treat them with respect and dignity. Um, talk with them about their feelings, you know, allow them to kind of share it as well. Um, and suggest definitely suggesting that speaking to someone they feel comfortable with, you know, the GP or mental health professional um, may help them feel better um, and then offer assistance, sort of helping them find someone um, that they trust or making the appointment with them or arranging a meeting or, you know, or at least, you know, or even, you know, offering to be there with them, um, you know, at the time of the appointment or, you know, to give them that sort of support um, because, you know, they, they suggest it can be hard for someone to acknowledge they have a mental health problem. Um, so, um, and they say that if, if your loved one is, uncomfortable with kind of sharing their feelings um you can always kind of share information you know you can go to your gp yourself or or ring up kind of um the the helpline or even things like lifeline if if you're a support person you don't know sort of where to kind of lead them to you can always um make that call and and get some support there and and even if you've got the eap you can use that for for referrals you can give to this person that you know you want to give support to um and and, you know provide them with the information that you get from there um okay the other um just article that i wanted to talk about um is from the australian government website called uh, carer gateway they have a lot of great services and resources there but i just wanted to look at um there's an article called seven things i wish someone had told me when i became a carer um 
so and it can and most of these things can apply to just being a support person whether you're not the carer or you know a, a parent or you know a, you know a, a child of an elderly or um they're, they're sort of your typical carers but um you know it could be just a support person of a friend or a spouse or a family member you know anyone that you feel like you, that you're that person that they go to for support um so the first thing is that you can do this so it takes a lot of strength and courage to be a carer um and some days you feel like you're not up that you're up to it but um that you're not up to it, but you'll figure things out and find help. Um, nextly, next thing is you don't have to know everything. Um, and next, you you can get help. Um, they've got this number on the, their website that you can call um, about kind of managing all of that. Um, and you can, you know, they also said you can get financial help if you're that kind of carer. I mean, I said most of these things will apply, but um, I guess this is specific to being a carer for someone like that. Um, you know, and you can get someone to take over so you can have a break. So that's sort of that encouraging of the external support, um, so that you can kind of, as much as you notice where your limit is, you can kind of have that time to, um, manage things for yourself and, and take care of yourself and all that sort of self-care. Um, also that, that you're not alone. Um, many people are, you know, there's so many people I, I talk to that, um, that are the support person that are struggling with, you know, supporting someone else and, and um, you know, you're not alone. And, and it's also important for you as a support person to have a support person. So, um, or even, you know, um, a support person to tell you that you need, um, you know, you, you it will be better for you to kind of get some professional help or get some professional support. Um, and it's okay to look after yourself. Like, you know, as I said, we are trained in, in, and the training is emphasized with self-care so you know and, and as I said sort of I, you know I think everyone should kind of go through that self-care as well and you know not only kind of um, talking to someone but um, you know doing something that you find pleasurable or any hobbies that you have or at least some you know some exercise or you know doing something that um, that you want to do that that you find that can I guess fill your cup in, in a way um because you know I, I've been saying this a lot this week but you know that I think the heading here is that you can't pour from an empty cup so you know considering that um hopefully you'll be able to kind of um fill your cup and then because if you know if we're running on empty we can't um help other people um you know we, we can't sort of be there as much as we need to be so um I can post this on on the um on my Facebook page after after the show um, today and um, yeah I guess have a read and think about you know some of those things and think about some of the things that you know we've been talking about um, and um, definitely um, you know if you wanted to comment or or you know post any kind of issues or anything that you wanted me to kind of further talk about please feel free to to comment that as well on the post that I will put on Facebook um otherwise hopefully um everyone hopefully everything kind of made sense um and um yeah I guess uh thanks everyone for listening um I will post when the next show is on um there might be a, a sneaky kind of before the end of the year um special but I will keep everyone posted and yeah thanks everyone have a good day